Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, can we just stand? Uh, I understand honor and, um, you know, uh, I just want you to know that I want us to just lift our hands and honor the one that um, brings us all together. Because as as what you what you don't realize is is as she's she's Shalice, as your leader is saying and doing all that, and as uncomfortable as that makes me feel, what she's really doing is honoring Christ. <laughs> because this guy couldn't even be here ten years ago. Okay, so I just want you to know that all praise and all glory. Can you just honor? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with me as I honor him and stand here before you, Lord. We just honor you. We thank you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you. We give you all glory, all honor be unto thee. I realize we live in a society that, unless you're in a black church community, you really don't have any picture of this, because our society just doesn't honor anymore, and the reason they don't is because we destroyed the family, because the first model of honor was was families and wives teaching their kids how to honor the father. It's just a respect, guys. It's just a respect. So we just give you all honor, Lord. Oh, you are worthy. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I'm really in a conundrum today because I thought I was going in a direction and... I'm not going in that direction now, and I had to pull another message out, and and I really am not sure why I'm preaching this message here, because probably nothing you're going to hear in here in what I preach is going to be anything new to you uh, because of the nature of this house, but uh, I'm just going to be obedient to the Lord. We're going to take up an offering for Nate, um, but I just felt led that this needs to happen. If we could get an uh, empty box. I feel like this also needs to happen while he's speaking. I feel like the Lord is going to be speaking honor, words of honor, and a way to honor Nate. And so um, I also felt like, I'm just going to put it up here. Just put it, let's just put it, um, let's just put it right here. Okay, so don't feel like you're going to interrupt. We're just going to ignore the people that are coming up. I also felt like the Lord might even be giving you creative ways to honor. So there'll be some financial honor, but I don't know what other, I don't know anything beyond that. So I just wanted to put that up there. So while he's speaking, we can honor. Hallelujah. So I want you to know that it is an incredible honor every time I take this mic and stand before the body of Christ. Because while we honor leadership and that's its proper place, the real reality is, is in honoring me, you're honored. Because honoring is a covering. And it releases things in your life. And while that's been stripped away and destroyed, the principle remains. Honor's not about control and it's not about manipulation. It's about releasing blessing into your life. Does that make sense? And so if you've never thought in these terms, it'll be a huge transition for you to study that because our society doesn't model it. It's just not there anymore. And, and this isn't my message, but since we're camped here, I want you to realize that, you know, even in extreme situations, you know, honor, honor is not about somebody carrying my Bible, Bible and wiping my butt. And if you see anybody that has that expectation, then you just run from them. Because I've been through those circles and I got those t-shirts and I went and burned them. 
And so I just want you to know that I honor you. And it's an honor and privilege to be with this leadership. It's an honor to be in front of the body here. Because there was a day when I didn't even know if I'd be alive. Come on. So every day past that is bonus to me. Every day past that is an opportunity, let alone when I have these opportunities to bring the word of life and to share with you. I just want you to know my heart because, like, I can't wrap my head around that Nathan Christ thing. Okay? I just, so I want you to hear the heart behind that little thing that's going on out here. I may need a session, all right? So I just, like... <laughs> I mean, I get it, I receive it, but I, I got this other, so anyways. Turn, turn, uh, oh yeah, I don't feel that at all. Yeah, trust me. Ephesians 3, 17 through 21. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, say love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. This is speaking of his love. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, say exceedingly, abundantly, above. All that we can ask and think according to the power That works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. May you just get an organ or a guitar going and you almost preach that in and of what it stands. Mm. Y'all are going to make me a mess today. We have heard, and this message was really birthed at a sister church or however you want to say that, but God's just really taken that and run, run, run this. We have heard all kinds of messages about God's heart. I have. His heart is love. It's all over Scripture. Though I speak with tongues of angels and men, but have not. Though I do all kinds of miracles, and I see signs and wonders, and I raise the dead, but I have not. Though I walk on water, and I prophesy, and I do all these things, if I have not, it profits me nothing. These three remain, faith, hope, and, but the greatest of these is Paul saying right here in this scripture that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth of his love, the length of his love, the depth of his love, the height of his love, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The fullness of God is understanding that His heart is love. But if God has a heart of love, then He also has to have a pulse. Grab your wrist, put your hand to your neck. How do you know you're alive? I mean, there can be a heart of anything. But if there isn't, if I can't, it doesn't really matter then, does it? So there's a reality here that at the beginning of this passage, Paul is talking about the heart of who God is, but then he transitions into some other things, and this is really his pulse. See, in the Latin, the word pulse means drive. 
push. And I want to be real clear with this before I get into the message. Everything I'm saying in the message has to be pushed through his heart of love. Because the things I'm going to preach about, if love is not pushing them, even though they're God, even though they may manifest, even though you may be blessed by them, in your personal life, if they don't come through that heart or that lens of love, it'll be no avail to you. And you end up in a ditch. His heart of love keeps us straight down the road. So a pulse, just even in a natural sense. A pulse is a sudden dilation of an artery caused by a projectile force of blood which is perceptible to the touch from the heart. The basic and preliminary read of the heart to determine how it's doing. We can't know how God's heart in us is doing if we don't understand his pulse. Even in a general sense. Half the news today in political circles is interviews And surveys that they do. Why? Because they want to get the pulse of the nation. George Barna for years has taken thousands of surveys across all churches in the United States. Why? He's written books. Why? Because he's trying to capture the pulse of the spiritual community in America. In a family with my wife and I, we sit down, we talk. I ask her, how are the kids doing? We're we're, we're doing inventory. Why? Because I, as the leader of my home, I need to know what the pulse of my home is. I know what my heart is, but if what she's reporting to me is the pulse isn't what my heart is, then i got to make some course corrections. Does that make sense? So there could be other things and in other ways that God would communicate to you what his pulse is. But in and of how he speaks to me, there's five things that I want to share with you today. A couple of them, I'm going to take a lot more time than others. But I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. God's pulse is the power of unlimited life-saving energy. God's pulse is the power of unlimited life-saving energy. So for those of you that are a little slow and will get this on Tuesday, what I'm doing is I'm taking the letters and I'm defining the word by the letters. That's not a put-down. I just realized some people, don't their minds don't think like mine. So the first word then is Power. The power. Turn your neighbor, say power. The Greek word there is dudamis. In Luke 24, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to go away. Y'all are going to hang out for a while. Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to endue you with power. If you're Pentecostal, a lot of this is going to sound real familiar. But what I'm... Here's... Here's why I think God gave me this at the beginning of the year. Because I travel in circles that everything is about grace and faith and the battle of that and how it comes together, how it doesn't. This faith camp's fighting with this grace camp. And in the middle of all that stuff that's going on, I don't see the kingdom moving forward. I'm not saying this stuff shouldn't come in. We need to understand grace. We need to understand faith. But if the byproduct of it isn't the advancing of the kingdom, then we're missing something. I know guys that have studied grace to the point where their churches shut down because they just believe, well, God, if everything's grace and all this stuff, and they become universalists. Well, they'll get it here or they'll get it in heaven. And, you know, they just, there's no motivation. They've lost vision. That's not the kingdom as I see it. Because right after they were endued with this power, dudamis, it's where we get our word dynamite. 
Have you ever wondered that? Let me tell you what the first definition of power of deutimus in, in the scriptures is. It is the inherent substance or the power, the power residing in a thing by the virtue of its nature. Can I submit to you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you? Can I submit to you that if that spirit dwells in you, then the power of who he is dwells in you? That power, that deutimus, that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that power dwells in you. That is what is inherent to you. That's what's different between when you get saved and, and when you're not saved. I'm much more happy about this than you are. If I could take, if I could just, I know I got a belly here, but ignore the belly because I'm trying to ignore it myself. But if, if there was this little lock box and, and I could open it up, There'd be this, this dynamo machine going on inside. Whether you believe it or not is not what's at issue. It's there. When I was growing up, there was a movie by Disney come, come out called Aladdin. My church boycotted it. So guess what I did the next day on Monday? Had this way of well, if they're going to boycott it, I must need to see something. And I love Robin Williams. If there's an anointing to comedy, he has it. That boy just opens his mouth without thinking, and he's funny. He don't need to cuss. He just goes. I watched him on Jay Leno one night. He started in. They cut to commercial. They came back. He was still rolling. And he plays the genie. And he's talking to Aladdin. And he says to Aladdin, he says, listen, of this little lamp. Now, I'm like 17, 18, somewhere in there. And I'm sitting watching this with my popcorn. And, and, and he's saying, listen, listen, let me tell you something about me being a genie. And this isn't what he said, but I forget how it exactly went. But he said, listen, the awesome power of the universe is in this little bitty space. And I about jumped up and wanted to throw my popcorn at somebody. Because even at that time, I recognized that the great power of this universe and of the universes is in this little space. We have these telescopes that we keep making stronger. And we go to the edge of that. And we realize that it's not what we know. We realize what we still don't know. He says, were you there when I was in the deeps of the sea? Were you there when I told the waters come up this far and no further? Were you there when I made the highest of the heights? Were you there when I made the lowest of the lows? What are you saying? Why are you crying? Because he's in me. He's in you. And then we go, well, if it is your will to hear, Lord, I really don't know. What? What? Let me open your box and see if you're plugged in. Nobody want to help me out today? I mean, if this is just review to you, you ought to be shouting me down right now. So it's the inherent power resident in you by the nature of a thing. So if you don't see, this is a kingdom distinctive. If you don't see any power coming out of you. It's not God's fault because he's in you. It's not about 
me going about my business, my friend having something wrong with him and going, well, glory to God, if I can just get him to prayer mountain. Oh, you don't want to help me now. Oh, if we can just get him in that atmosphere. If I can just get him to Shalise, because, you know, what you're saying, that's what she does. Hello? Where are you getting this, preacher? Where are you getting it? Let me show you. Glad you asked. Watch this now. For the kingdom is not in word, but in power. Dunamis. Churches that there is no power. People that there is no power. Paul says, be careful. They have a form, but they deny. This is part of the pulse of what runs through God's heart. You don't have to believe it. I don't care if you accept it. You may come from a background like my wife does that says those things passed away, so don't expect them to happen today. That's fine. You want to put him in a box? You put him in a box. But he's outside of your box as well as in your box. Is this helping somebody today? Well, I don't think. I don't care what you think. Fine. Let your kid die. Fine. Let your kid live with that. If there's ever a time I want to cuss, it's when I'm away and my kids are going through stuff. I go outside and I have a talk with the devil. Because I know I'm going to cuss. And I figure if I'm going to cuss, I may as well direct it at the one I'm really ticked off at, because then I feel better. If that's too real for some of you and you're offended, I can get you in late tonight. And we can get that worked out. Well, I just, I just. You just what? Here's the what. When you grab that the inherent power in you is not you. When you realize that in everything God asks you to do, his equipping is not your skill sets. It's still about him in you. Do you realize that the faith that you have isn't even your faith? It's God's faith in you, believing in himself, that things happen? You have absolutely nothing to do with this other than show up. That's why whoever said to me, no pressure, I said, you're right. Because I've come to realize in the sessions when I'm preaching and trying to get there in other areas of my life that the reality is it is not on me. He's the initiator. I'm the responder. I'm not the initiator. So if I have the faith to believe for something and it doesn't happen, it's not on me. It's on him. I'm not responsible for the manifestation. I'm responsible to believe. The indication of my faith is not what I see at the end. It's that I've believed even if I haven't seen what I thought I would at the end. Only believe. Ouch, amen, or oh my.
so John and Peter walk in through. In Acts 2, they get filled. In Acts 3, you know, I'm, I got to be honest. If you actually read Peter's message, it takes about four and a half minutes. I'm still waiting for the day that I can preach a four and a half minute message and 3,000 are added to the church that day. What was different? The power. The power. And so they're going to worship God. Hour of prayer, ninth hour. And there's this man that they bring to the gate. Lame since he was in his mama's belly. A beggar. Everybody had seen him. Jesus had seen him. And he's begging. And it says, Peter went with John. And it says that they walked up to him. And Peter looked at him and he says, Scripture says his eyes and Peter's eyes focused. And he reached out as though, as if this is to receive. And Peter says, gold and silver have not I, but such as I have, I give to you. Now it says Peter. Peter with John. Peter didn't look at the man and say, hey, I'm Simon. Such as I have, I give to you my up and down faith. I'm going to give you to take a step on the water and then drop in the sea. Peter didn't say, such as I have, I'm going to give to you. When you feel like you've got to take it upon yourself to defend yourself, cut the guy's ear off. I aren't getting this. Peter didn't say, Such as I have, I give to you. You go betray the very life source of your life. Peter didn't interpret what he had to give to him according to his past, according to his lenses, according to what may be going on in his head at the time. He interpreted according to what was given to him in Acts chapter 2. What are you saying? What I'm saying is, if God tells you to do something, don't let your background, your mind, where you've been, get in the way. Such as I have. What did he have? He had dunamis. He also had what Jesus spoke to him. Upon this rock of revelation, I will build my kingdom. It was built on the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ, which Peter had. But then he was also the natural rock that God established his church on. The same God that lives in you. So at Safeway, at Japanese Fusion, at AJ's Pizzeria, At Walmart. I'm running out of places because that's about all I've been. You ought to be looking in your heart for these opportunities to look at this person and say, gold and silver have not I. He didn't look at him and even say, hey, do you believe this rock of revelation? Oh, you didn't hear me. He didn't have a theological discussion with this guy to see if he even believed what they believed. He didn't say, listen, he simply said, gold and silver have not I, such as I have, I give to you. And the guy took his hand. Listen, why John was with him? Because John is a type of grace. You have to have God's grace in the midst of your dynamite. His love pulsating that. 
John, Peter was with John. Grace came with Peter. And in that revelation of truth, ah, If you give grace where there's no truth, you'll kill somebody. I think I said that wrong. If you give truth where there's no grace. So what brings death with truth, religion? That's why the kingdom of God is not in word but in a demonstration of power. Because his kingdom and the religious kingdom do not click. Is this helping somebody today? And he said, golden sewer have not I, such as I have I give to you. And it says the bones in this man's ankles and in his legs were strengthened. And it says he leaped up, praising and rejoicing and clung to them. As they walked in. Why is this so important? Because as they walked in, they went to they went to this place, this porch, and all these people come running because they recognize who he was. And Peter says, You are looking at us to see by what power we've done this in. As if we've somehow done it on our own. And then he begins to school them in the dissertation about you guys killing the one that is now raising people up that have been lame since her mama's belly. Listen, any time you do things in your own strength, any time you take your sort of authority out and not God's, and you cut somebody's ear off, it gives them the inability to hear by faith. That's why when he did that, Jesus went, no, 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 wrong kingdom, Peter. Here, let me put that back on you. I didn't mean to hurt you, okay. Because he's given us a picture that if you do it in yourself and call it church, they're not going to hear me. But if you do it in who I am and my authority, they can hear because I don't cut people's ears off. Does that make sense? So the first thing in God's heart of love that you feel in a pulse is his power. But it doesn't stop there. It says it's the power of unlimited. Say unlimited. Turn to your neighbor, say unlimited. Now turn to the other one and say you're unlimited. Dear Jesus, help me on, I guess. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, that word there is Hooper, say Hooper. I got a good friend, his life message is this passage right here. He has a whole series on Hooperman. It's not about us being Superman. It's about understanding that you carry Hooperman. Now to him who is able, to him who has the power and the ability, the capability to do something. Now to him who has the power and the capability to do above hooper that word hooper there means above beyond over more than whatever you can think of it's hooper oh you didn't hear me whatever you think is your purpose in life it's hooper why because if you can think it and do it in your own ability, it ain't God. I don't care how many goosebumps you got. I don't know how, how clear you think it is. If you can do it and you don't have a thought that it terrorizes you because of your inability, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I'm saying if your thought isn't God, 
it's not God. I'm talking about this big vision and purpose thing. I'm not talking about getting up and being able to brush your teeth in the morning. You know what I'm saying? It's unlimited. It's above. Now watch this. This freaks me out. Let's look at this passage again. It says, Now unto him who is capable, able, powerful to do above and beyond, oh my gosh, abundantly. That word there means exceedingly. What? The definition is exceeding some number, measure, rank, or need. Over and above, super additive. I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, they had these little pills that that you could put in your gas tank. And you go from 20 to 24 miles. It was super additive. It was exceeding the expectation. In what? In measure, number, rank, or need. So Jesus shows up. What's the first miracle he does? Why? Because there was a need. And he takes, and he doesn't just meet that need. He does exceedingly. Hey, he could have took the guys that, hey, some of you guys get the treasury money, go down to, to go down to the liquor store, get a little crown. <laughs> what else they need? Well, they barefoot wine? No, 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 no. Oh, y'all don't want to help me. That's okay. That's okay. They had money. So much so that only Jesus and Judas knew that Judas was tapping into it. So he says, get the pots. Put the water in it. Draw it out. Take it to the governor of the wedding. He takes it. It's into the wedding. They're all about half lit. They all know you save the crummy stuff for after everybody's really feeling good. Because they don't know the difference. Woo! He took it to the governor to get everyone. Wow! Hey! Hey! What is this? Well, I'd like to have a bottle of that divine nectar. I mean, it's one thing for my feet to crank the grapes, but it's another thing when God decides, hey, I'm going to give you some wine. Oh, I can't even go there. Now we're going to focus. What was he doing? He wasn't just doing what they needed. He was doing exceedingly. He could have just turned it into the wine that they had. It was exceedingly. It was above all rank, measure, thought, or need. So they get to the deal, Jesus preaching, you know, he's starting to get these big crowds. There's 5,000 men sitting there, about 15,000, 20,000 total. And he looks at the disciples and he says, you feed them. In one passage it says one of them went to the treasury to get the money. Some of you think that Jesus didn't have nothing. And the boys are standing there and they go, Jesus said, what do you got? Well, we got this little dude. He's got a little, little Avengers lunch bucket. And his, his mama jammed a couple of loaves and a couple of fish in there. And he turns it over. And he blesses it and he tells them, now you do it. Now I got to be honest, if it were me, I'm looking at Andrew and I'm saying, that boy can, can do it himself. We got 20,000 hungry folk here. And you know, I don't know about you, but I know some people that when they get hungry, they ain't exactly nice. You remember, remember those Snicker commercials? Here, eat this, Bob. Better? Yeah, better. So I'm walking up, Right? And I'm there, and I'm going, man, dude, listen, if this don't work, it's on him. I'm running. But by faith, they did what he said. 
They didn't let what was in their heads stop what was in their hearts. I don't know how he's going to do this. You ready? We got the fish. And they broke it, and boom, there's two fish. There's two more fish. Hey, I got an idea. They laid a board out. He took his knife. 20 fish. I mean, that's the way my mind sees it, okay? Same with the loaves. Hey, that's cool with the fish. Let's check out the bread. Two loaves. Because see, when anything's in eternity, it doesn't have time to divide. It can only multiply. And so that would have been enough. It would have been enough if they filled all their bedelies. Of course, you know, if I'm sitting out there, I ain't taking one fish. I'm like, that's a neat trick. Give me three more. He fed them. And then when they growing up to leave, like a good old Boy Scout, he said, now parade, police this place. And they filled 12 basketfuls. What's that? Exceedingly. It was above, beyond, exceedingly, abundantly. It blew their minds. And then he said, hey, now go get yours. Can you imagine Peter taking his basket home? You know, he had a wife, a mother-in-law, all that good stuff. And I just have this picture that, you know, it didn't go with anything in the decor. But if you're like me, I'm going to put that thing on the shelf. Ain't nobody touching it. Because that's a memorial. People walk in, hey, what's up with that basket? Don't touch my basket. No, I'll get home. Wife's got clothes in it. What are you doing? That is the basket. Come on. I'm sure it didn't happen that way, but that's, you know, they're real folk. So now watch this. Oh, my gosh. That would be enough. I mean, wouldn't it? Able to do exceedingly abundantly. But oh my gosh, now he just, Paul just is going to freak him out. Freaks me out. Why? Because he throws another hooper in there. Now he who is able to do exceedingly hooper above perissimus or abundantly above hooper. Just for good measure, I am going to make it so that you can't wrap your head around this thing. It's like Cooper squared with a parisios. You aren't hearing me. Listen, this is what his heart is, and this is who is inside of you. And it's according to the work he's working in you. So somebody else's hooper squared to the parisios may not be your hooper squared to the parisios. When we judge ourselves by ourselves, God calls that foolishness. Well, that's great. Just got $100,000. I'm still in debt. What's all that about? Tap into your own hooper, your own parisias. Tap into the ability of God in you to be capable, powerful, and able to work what he's worked in you. Peter jumped up with Jesus, and he said, hey, what about this disciple sitting over here in this corner? Jesus said, hey, listen, Jackson, if it's up to me, and I want him to sit there until you all see me again, that's my business. You follow me. Is this making sense? So, God's heart is love. His pulse 
is the power of unlimited, say life. Turn to your neighbor and say life. I'm not going to preach this one, but I am going to give you a thought. The idea of life here is, in God's mind, life the way God intended it. It is the idea of a state of being possessed by the vitality of the one in you. It is a state of being possessed by the vitality, not of your ability to have life, of the one in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. His ability in you produces the life. It is a God life, the way God intended it for you. The power of unlimited life, say saving. This word saving here, John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn, but that through him the world might be saved. The idea here is to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger and destruction, to save a suffering one from perishing, to heal that which is diseased, to preserve that which is in danger, to save in every sense of that. And it's not just at the cross, it's every day of your life. So, the pulse of God is the power of unlimited life-saving, say, energy. Energia is the Greek word. It means to work. Can I get somebody to come to the keys or the a guitar or a piano? Now listen, I want you to shake yourself. You're getting a little, I want you to wake up. If your spouse is kind of zoning, nudge him. Okay, we're in the seventh inning stretch here, all right? Just play it real quiet, boys. Because watch this. Here's how this all starts tying together. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly hooper, abundantly parisios, above hooper, all that we can ask and think according to the power, deutimus, that works, energia in us. Energy, if you look it up, it's the capacity or ability to work. Now I know this is going to sound like a science class right now, but if you can catch this, it's going to change your life. God's ability to work, his efficiency. It is also translated and only used of superhuman power. Take her down one more guy. One, one guy. Energy then is the capacity to change matter or do work. I want you to listen to this. Some things about energy. Everything that we do involves energy. When you get up, when you go to bed, there's actually energy going on in those chairs because there's atoms moving even though it looks like it's stationary. Everything in that sense is alive. Energy surrounds us. Watch this. I can't make energy and I can't destroy energy. All I can do is allow it to change forms. I can feel the effects of energy. I can feel heat. Come on. I can feel when it's not there. I can feel cold. I can, I can sense something. Uh, if there's a lightning bolt... And it hits near me. My skin may go on edge. So you can't create it. You can't take away. All that can happen is, is that it changes form. What happens when somebody comes up and has a goiter on their neck? 
and you lay hands on them, and the energy in you connects with the energy in them, it changes forms, and the goiter drops on the ground. Oh, you didn't hear me. If you get this, and this is really the part that I was coming to for this house, if you would get this, you would realize that nothing is impossible to you because the power in you isn't you the unlimitedness in you and you isn't you the life in you isn't you the saving in you isn't you and all that is surmised in the energy in you isn't you all you have to be is a conduit for these things John G. Lake called this energy substance. Old Pentecostal preachers called it his glory when it showed up. It's in you and it's in me. So when the worship leaders are releasing the substance and we get an agreement and we release the substance, then it says that God enthrones himself in the substance. Why do you think the 4 and 28 elders all gathered in three, three, or however it was, six, six, and six, and six. And they yelled glory. And then the other ones yelled back glory. And they yelled worthy. And then the other ones yelled back worthy. Because when two agree, there's three. You always thought it was two and three. No, what you don't understand is when we agree, there's three. No, you ain't getting it. The two and three is you and I agreeing. The third one's the Christos, the Holy One, the Anointed One saying, Hey, I know that. That feels like me. I think I'm just going to plop myself down on it and sit a spell. That's why if you get this and we're worshiping and they're worshiping, you can come up in the middle of it and you can get your healing without anybody even touching you. We don't have what we don't comprehend. We don't have what we don't understand. So I'm trying with everything in me to make it as plain as I can to you. There's a guy named David Hogan. To be an elder in his churches in the mountain regions of Mexico, you got to raise somebody from the dead. I had a privilege of seeing a conference he did. And all through the conference, he was given these stories. He talked about this time where he got in his decked out SUV vehicle and it was flood season and they come up to the banks and the guy that was with him he looked at him and he said God's word says we go I have to go there so my vehicle doesn't have submersible equipment in it to keep the water from coming in but I'm going and if you can't handle that you need to get out now and the guy's like, what are you saying? I'm saying, I'm going over there. And he's like, and of course, he can't even see out the window. He said, I think I'll stay with you. And I'm listening to this. And he starts talking about how they started in down on the floor of the river. And it got really crazy as they saw these logs and these fish floating by and coming up to the window. And how they come out on the other side. And I'm thinking as I'm watching this video, Brian, this man's crazy. He's out of his mind. And as soon as I thought that, he said to the crowd, he said, you think I'm out of your mind. I'm out, or you think I'm out of my mind. I'm out of yours. These things that God asks you to do, 
They're going to defy your mind. If you're waiting for your mind to get it, you're never going to see anything. Some of you have had sessions with me. And you've looked at me and I said, I know, I got to have you help you have your mind catch up, don't I? Because you couldn't believe what God just did in there. How he takes you in an abused area of your life and you've carried it for 30 years. And not only are you not abused anymore, that little boy or that little girl isn't even there anymore. The perpetrator's gone. All that's there in an empty room. Wait a minute. You can't change a memory. You can't do that. They've told us memories don't change. That's right. I can't. But the one that created you that has unlimited energy, he can take his truth and do whatever he wants inside of you. Because he's the one in there with the power and the life and the saving ability and the energy. Are you getting this? Well, you know, I don't know if I could believe God to raise the dead or take my truck through a raging river. How about just believing Him to pay the bills this week? How about that? How about let's create some momentum? How about wherever you can't believe in your life right now, you just start believing. How about that? So when you go to the doctor, what's the first thing they do when you're at the doctor? Doesn't matter what you come in for. After you're in the room with the nurse, they check your... Why do they do that? Why do they check your pulse? Because if you come in getting a wart removed and you don't have a pulse, they don't care about your wart. If you come in wanting your finger put back into joint and they take your pulse and your heart is racing, they're going to be more concerned about why that heart's racing. Or why it's too slow than putting that joint, that finger back in joint. When I was in Boy Scouts, they taught us a sequence of first aid. First, they got to be breathing. I don't care if there's blood squirting out. If they're not breathing, you got to get them breathing. Then, if they got blood squirting out up here and their ankle is like this, you worry about the blood squirting out up here. You don't worry about the ankle. So when people come in here, let's say one of you came in and we had an EMT in the building and you just dropped dead. He's going to go get his box. He's going to run back inside. He's going to put a little goo on two pieces of metal. Come on, are you with me? He's going to put them on the body. And what's he going to say? there's the energy getting ready to be released and he doesn't want you getting zapped with the wrong energy Poof. what's the body going to do even if it doesn't come to life yet it's going to move I'm prophesying to you I'm prophesying to this house your leader said hey you're just part of the first wave of dysfunction. There's going to be people walking this house dead, drawn by something going on. They're going to get zapped, but that don't mean they're alive yet. That don't mean they're fixed yet. They're just starting to feel the energy of God go through them. Ah. Uh, and so, poof, and they finally come to life. Watch this. Somebody that comes to life, they're a little disoriented. They don't know where they've been. They don't know where they are. So watch this.
you come into church. You raise your hands in worship. Maybe you come into church and you got a lot of stress. You're just all maxed out. Adrenaline's cranking. And just in obedience, you just begin to put your hand to the Lord. Watch this. Watch this. What you don't see for every one of you is that the doctor walks in. Keep your hand up. And he goes, oh, this is not good. Her heart's running a mile a minute. Gabriel, Michael, bring me the paddles. Oh, I wish you'd get this. And as you're saying, I love you, Lord, he's saying, sweetheart, I love you too. Clear! Woo! Hey! Or as you guys do here, woo! So then there's somebody comes in and they're just worn out. It's been weeks. Sweetheart, raise your hand. And the doctor reaches over to her. He goes, oh boys, this is not good. Her ba- she's barely beating at all. She ain't running fast. Her rhythm's running way too slow. And he says, Peter, Gabriel, Michael. And the angels are going, oh, he's going to do it again. Bring me the paddles. And by the Spirit of God, as you're saying, I exalt thee, Lord. Your presence is all I ask for. He says, I know, daughter. And I'm right here. Clear! And he just releases who he is. Into your life. He resets the rhythms. He makes it that you can go another week. Another day. Kevin, come here. When I am in covenant with someone, when I have heart connection, scientifically they've proven this. If I have a spouse or I have a friend that's a life friend and our hearts are connected, they can be going through something and my heart rate will change to their heart rate. You got to get this. So if I'm walking across the Brooklyn Bridge and there's 20,000 of us, as long as we're not walking in sync, in rhythm, that bridge will stay standing. But when my heart gets in rhythm with another believer's heart, when the Christ in me gets connected to the Christ in them, then when we walk and we step, the rhythm of that will knock that bridge down. The rhythm of that will tear down any stronghold. The rhythm of that will set free any captive. Uh, you're not getting this. The rhythm of that, the rhythm of that, the rhythm of that problem is you get offended and you get out of rhythm well I expect this out of my husband I expect this out of my leader then you go I ain't getting nothing out of service anymore well no duh sweetheart you're out of rhythm nobody want to help me with that that's all right. you pray for me you pray for me so I want you to close your eyes What does it mean? I'm getting ready, as my pastor says, to land this plane. What does it mean to be clear?
clear means open, free from obstruction. A clear way. Clear means free from clouds and fog. How's your head doing? When was your last time your head was clear? That there wasn't fog. Free from foreign matter, unmixed. As in clear water, clear sand, clear air. Free from anything that creates doubt or uncertainty. Unclouded and luminous. Unobstructed and unobscured. Listen to this. Clear means not a cloud of care. Are ruffled by negative passion. Clear means free from guilt and blame. Free means no biased, unpresupposed, not judged. Free clear means free from debt and obligation, not liable. Clear means liberated, freed and acquitted of charges. Clear means free from spots or anything that disfigures. With your heads bowed and your hearts open, Lord, will you show each one of your sons and daughters where they need some clearing? Will you show them where they need you to come into their lives with the paddles and say clear? Show them, Lord. Show them where they're clouded. Show them where there's dirt, not sin dirt, mind dirt. Show them where they're doubting. Show them where they're still bound by judgments. Show them, Lord. And as much as I just declared what it means to be clear, show them where they're not. Show them where there's a mindset that's muddying the waters. Show them where there's an emotion that's muddying the waters. Show them where there's a memory that you want to step into and reroute and rewrite that whole thing. Show them right now, Lord. And if God's showing you anything, I want you to just come up here and I just want you to line up because I'm going to lay hands on you today and I'm going to go down through and I'm just going to say clear. Come on. We're over time. I don't need to put a hook in your mouth and manipulate you to come down here. Because it's not about me. I want you to just focus on him. And I need somebody to come along behind me. And then I'll and then I'll pray for you at the end. I want you to focus on him. I don't want you to even look at me. This ain't about me. Because you may get your clear before I even get to you. We gotta quit focusing on the man or the woman. Just lift your hands to the Lord.